The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Hey everyone, producer Connor here. Unfortunate news on this episode, we had some technical difficulties with Mike's microphone. Uh, His audio didn't record and there was no way we could really fix it, so we've done what we could. Um, Obviously he's on the road right now, so he's pretty busy, so we couldn't record a makeup episode, Um, but we'll hopefully have this issue solved for next week. Um, But apologies about the audio this week. Hopefully you enjoy the episode. Still highly recommend listening to it. Um, But yeah, sorry about the audio. All right, Abby Mastreco. We're we're here on site, Stanley Cup final. Pretty pretty cool. In my very messy hotel room. Yeah, you and Steven, um, you really tore the place up, didn't you? Yes, we did. We haven't haven't gotten housekeeping in here yet. You've lived in this room. Like, you have lived in this room. Yeah, they're gonna, like, they're gonna come kick us out of here. We're gonna be living here the whole time. It's great. We, both of you, you and I, we just came from a Rockies game. We did. Uh, A little bit of a bummer of a game, right? Like, it's just two-run loss. They grounded out to a double play to end it. Like, it was... Cleveland's an up-and-coming team. I, because, yes, I do baseball in the summer. Well, I've... The last few years, I've split 50-50 hockey, baseball. Mm-hmm. This is the first year that I've done probably like 80% hockey. I'll jump right into baseball next month after the draft. Yeah. Uh, so I was glad that I got out there today and I saw some because I, I've only been to one game this year. I've been busy with other things, mm-hmm. namely the playoffs. Yes. Absolutely. Cleveland is in the building process. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've... They've got some of their key guys locked up. They know the direction that they want to go in. I'm not surprised that they're that they're getting some early wins in the season. The Rockies don't know where they're ever going. The only thing that the Rockies want is gate attendance, and we gave that to them today. We did. You know what? We we contributed to the problem. We did. I know. I thought about that earlier. I was like, I'm giving Dick Monfort my money, and he doesn't care if he fields a winning team. He just likes the gate. But it's a great it's a great ballpark. So like they they're gonna get gate attendance. And I, I highly recommend this ballpark to anyone coming through Denver. I really do. It's such a shame that we that we have to say that, right? Because like it is such it is especially like I'm from Toronto, and look, I love the Blue Jays. Being being like a massive Blue Jays fan my whole life, Rogers Center is like they need to do some work on it. it it's it's very like warehouse. Yeah, but it, like. Rogers Center has a vibe, from what I understand. Like, it's a very specific yes. vibe. It's one of the few. I'm missing like five AL parks because mm-hmm. I covered mostly National League teams. Okay. I was on the Mets beat. Um, oh, oh my god! Yeah. Imagine the stories you had from the Mets beat. That must be incredible. Yeah. Any any Wilpon drama you want to drop on us before we get into hockey? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of like. Look, there's just chaos every other day. Like trying to even like narrow it down. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. It really is. I think one of my favorites was still when Matt Harvey got suspended for skipping a game because he was very heartbroken after he broke up with Adriana Lima, I mean, look, as anybody would be if Adriana... Look, yeah, I was going to say fellas. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I would be heartbroken if Adriana Lima... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this was the... Okay, this was my Matt Harvey story. I went to Long Beach State. Okay. More major leaguers than any other school in the country. Really? Most years, at least. They compete with ASU and Cal State Fullerton for that title. Uh, So one of the pitchers who the Mets had in AAA, Adam Wilk, um, I went to college with him. And the night before the Harvey stuff all went down, oh, man, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this on a podcast. So somebody had put... um, a sex toy in a locker and the social media team accidentally tweeted a photo of that out. It was in the background of like the photographing the player of the game. So then the next day I get to the ballpark. I'm about to go put my stuff up in the press box. And it's about 15 minutes before Terry Collins is scheduled to speak. (laughs) And I get a text from my friend who played, who I went to college with. And he said, 
uh, something along the lines of, am I starting tonight or today? And, and I was like, well, I'm just getting here. It's like 15 minutes early. I'm going to go put my stuff in the press box, but I, like my spidey senses are telling me something's up. Yes. So I go and I don't put my stuff in the press box. I just go straight into the media room. Yeah. Sandy Alderson, military Sandy Alderson. Mm. He's a few minutes ahead of schedule because if you're not early, you're late. Yeah. And he says, Matt Harvey has been suspended for three games for violation of team rules. We have recalled Adam Wilk from AAA. He's going to start today and I won't be taking questions. Terry Collins will be in in a few minutes. And then Wilk texts me and he's like, they just picked me up. I know I'm starting. And I was like, okay, something's up. And then, of course, everybody's thinking, did he put the sex toy in the locker? I mean, you would think. Like, that, that would <laughs> and he didn't. Yes, okay. He, he didn't. That? That well, one? yes, okay. yeah. Um, he didn't. He Because as details started coming out, just the things that we were hearing, like being, that was my first year in New York coming from LA, which is a very laid back market. Yes. New York is very intense. Yeah, I would say, I would like apparently one of the tabloid papers sent over one of the reporters disguised as like an Uber Eats or delivery person to try and like get up to Harvey's apartment to see if he was there. Like this, the, the rumor mill just starts going and we hear details coming out all day. And like, are you allowed to do that? I don't think you are. I don't know. That's like espionage. That's, that's, that's crazy. Apparently somebody was like buzzing the apartment. I look, I didn't, I heard this all secondhand. Okay. That makes sense. I heard this all secondhand, but like, this just shows like the New York tabloid culture that is still not as like, intense as it was probably a decade ago this was 2017 so it's five and a half years ago okay but like it just shows that like new york is such a different animal i'm kidding holy smoke and 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 the mets in particular like there's always just random shenanigans like they're at the center of everything and this year they have not been like, yeah, they'd be good. They have not been. They, they are. Buck Showalter is changing the culture for the better. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to go in and establish a new culture. It's not an overnight process. You know, Steve Cohen took over the team and Louis Rojas was a great guy. I don't know anybody in baseball who doesn't like Louis Rojas, mm-hmm. but you can't change the culture overnight. And there were some things with that team that were so some habits on the field, off the field, that were so deeply ingrained that you're just not going to get rid of that right away. And Buck Showalter is a person who commands a lot of respect, and he really prides himself in holding his players accountable and himself accountable. That's a big deal in any sport. You know, that's important in any sport. So, look, the Mets have a reputation for being very chaotic. Um, That reputation is not unfounded but they are slowly turning it around and doing some really good things they met with um the advocates for minor leaguers recently to talk about how they can improve quality of life for my and pay for minor leaguers that's big because it's gonna take a big market team to set the standard it'll probably be like a yankees dodgers or mets it's yeah it's going to be a big market team that really goes in and says if we can do it, so can everybody else. It's funny, it's funny, like you mentioned all the stuff about changing the culture and Buck Showalter. It reminds me a lot, you know, being from Toronto, like covering the Leafs, it reminds me a lot of what was expected to happen when Mike Babcock came in. And to be fair, somewhat did. Like, look, th- th- there was this blue and white disease, as we call it, where there were these habits on and off the, the ice that were ingrained. And look, he came in and we didn't know he was psychologically torturing his players at the time. So we, we, we let it go. But... No, it's 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 absolutely wild. Like you could probably write a book about your time on the Mets beat, and and look, Rachel has also told me you have some very interesting stories from your your time together uh, with the Devils. Yes, uh, I, I've heard I've heard that's good, but we we'll, we might get into that in a bit. <laughs> First, speaking of New York crazy market, um, a guy who's being very well known in there, John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. Signed a four-year deal to become the next head coach. Well, supposedly. We don't know that it's supposedly. official yet, but, I, I, yeah, it seems like... Yeah, I feel like he didn't leak bad bad info to his co-worker, Kevin Weeks. Probably not, no. Co-worker, I guess. Who, who <laughs> we're in a state of flux. Um, it was great. I'm so glad that they decided to drop that news while we were at a baseball game <laughs> on our day off. That's very cool. Um, what, like, what do you think about this? Because, you know, Tortorella, like, it seems like he'd be a good... He'd be good for the Flyers for, like, two years. 
you know, he might be a coach that sort of has a life cycle. Um, he might have a two, three year shelf life. He, the, the important thing to know about torts, the two important things to know about torts, we see the sort of combative demeanor. We see the quirky, you know, comments and press conferences. However, when he does that, when he gets sort of aggressive with the media and he, uh, you get the soundbite, he's deflecting the criticism from his players. The attention's then on him, yeah. not his players. And they appreciate that. Mm. Um, he can wear on them. He can, it, he's a coach that you, you kind of have a love-hate relationship with, from what I understand, from talking to former players and being yeah. around New York and hearing stories. Um, you have a love-hate relationship with him. For the Philly market, though, with how demanding those fans are, I think he might be good for those players. Yes. Now, the other thing you have to remember about Torts is that he installed a system that helped Hank win a, Viz a Vesna, yeah. um, helped Bobrovsky become a top goalie in the league. Win two Vesnas, I think. Yeah. Yeah, under So that's good for a team that's been sort of cursed with goaltending in Carter Hart. We don't really know what he is right now. Is he the goalie that he was in 2019, or is he the goalie that he was in? You know, he's been shaky the last few years. Absolutely. And so maybe Torts comes in, installs that system that's got to be encouraging for Carter Hart, given his track record with goalies. But he does have sort of a short shelf life. But that might be what they need. I mean, like, this is a team yeah. that doesn't have a ton of, doesn't have a ton of talent, is extremely bad defensively. I mean... Like, it, it always comes to mind is that Connor Sheary goal where he's left alone right in front of the net, uh, um, right in front of Philly's net for, like, 10 seconds. He's, he's allowed to pull, like, a crazy deke on him. Like, they really they need someone to whip them into shape. They do. They need some defensive structure for sure. There were times when I was down in Philly last year and they looked lost defensively. Yeah. Lost. Um, but he's a coach that's going to have your back if you play the game the right way. I, you know, there, it, it, it does, there are going to be questions of his age. Can he relate to a modern day player? But, you know, he's only four years older than Torts or Trots. Yeah. He is Torts. Um, Trots. Yeah. They, the, look, the names are too similar right they now. Are similar. <laughs> and they were both up for the same job. Yeah, yes. in Philly. Yeah. Um, he's only four years older than Barry Trots. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see anybody complaining about Barry Trotz right now. I, f I see people wanting Trotz to come to their team and implement his defensive system. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's always when, – when you've been in the league for that long, you're going to face questions about whether or not you can relate to a modern-day player. I don't care if you're John Cooper. In 10 years, John Cooper's going to – face those same questions. We don't even know what a modern day player will be like in 10 years. We don't, no. They could be, you know, be doing TikTok dances in the middle, in intermissions. They could be doing <laughs> crazy stuff. They very well could be. Absolutely. Hitting the low after the first intermission. Like, so I, I, I think this is actually going to be a good job for him. Mm. The Philly media market is also known to be very tough. The, um, look, Northeast media markets, I just told you there was a tabloid that put, sent somebody to a baseball player's house just to, you know. Yeah apartment building disguised as a delivery driver so goes the rumor maybe i shouldn't repeat a rumor on a podcast but it Allegedly. i think that it does sort of illustrate the northeast media market and just sort of the like intense scrutiny that you're up against in the northeast media market mm -hmm. look northeast fans i'm talking like boston new york philly maybe Baltimore, D.C. to a certain extent, they're not happy unless they're fighting, unless they're, like, unhappy, unless yeah. they're complaining about something. Unless they're pelting Santa with snowballs. Yeah. They're very, like, they always are waiting for the other shoe to drop. Even Patriots fans, with so much success, they're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. So for the Philly market, it's changed a lot. The media market's changed a lot. There's still a few columnists that are probably going to get into it with torts on occasion, mm -hmm. but it's not as, it's not the old school blue collar media market that it used to be. The fans might still be like that though. And I mm -hmm. do think that maybe that's where torts going to endear himself to some of the yes. fans with his like hardworking blue collar mentality. I think he's going to win over some fans. How long is that going to last? I don't know. But look, I... I believe it was John Hines who once told me coaches are hired to be fired, and when the fans turn on you, they turn quick. And he was a coach who was indeed fired at some point. 
Yes. It'll twice, really? Or no? No, only once. Yeah. Once uh, the devils. Once the devils. Yeah. He's, yeah. You, were, you, you saw that happen in the city, so it's. Yeah, it was right before the last time I was in Denver. He had just been fired, actually, and it was. Um, that road trip was Elaine Nazardine's first road trip as the Devils interim coach. I was thinking about that when I flew in here the other day. I was like, when's the last time I was here? Because I've spent a lot of time here for baseball, yeah. and my ex-boyfriend briefly lived here, and I spent a lot. my cousin lived here. I almost moved here years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about that. I was like, when's the last time I was here? Oh, yeah, that oh, road trip. And, weird and yeah. Taylor Hall was scratched right before, the, created, yeah. right before the game started. So somebody was asking me where the ele- the media elevators were, and I was like, well, I know those. I was riding up and down them trying to figure out where his hockey bag was. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, man, it's – the stories that you have from Insider are insane. Like I said, we'll get, we'll get to them in a bit. Um, I guess the other, the other news that broke while we were trying to enjoy a lovely weekday afternoon baseball game, which I think are just the best. Like, I love – those are my favorite. Day games. It feels like – especially the weekday, it feels kind of like, like a PA day or a PE day, however you want to – Call it, it might be different in Canada, where like you just you feel like you should be doing something, but you're really kind of slacking off. It's nice. Um, is uh, it's funny because I asked Gary Batman yesterday a question about LTIR um, during the State of the Union, and he was like, "It's not a loophole, you know. Everyone's doing it within the rules. It's great." And then Vegas immediately trades for the biggest dead contract in the league. Yeah. Um, so it's very fun. Yeah. So look, Evgeny Dadnov going to Montreal in exchange for Shea Weber's contract. Vegas will be able to add that to the to the books. It'll help them out a lot um, in terms of LTIR. But man, like. Dadnov is not a scrub. No. He scored 20 goals last year. Yeah. He had a pretty good season, and he... Okay, I, I like. I was totally distracted by the trade because I think that uh, the team that actually won this trade was the Anaheim Ducks yes. because That's they the tweeted... Yes, yeah. Yeah. the Twitter response. When Vegas posted the tweet, oh my God. the Ducks responded, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and, like... I just, sometimes I think Twitter is the worst website yes. ever and they should dismantle it. And I just, I was laughing so hard at that. I was like, great tweets, great, great tweets. That Like, the Ducks won the, tra- the, Ducks won the trade that is just by tweeting. Incredible. Like, that, that, I mean, it, it's a fair question to ask. Like, that was a debacle at last year. Yeah. Like, that is, that is, that was legitimately embarrassing. The paperwork issue with Dadnov and... <laughs> it embarrassed so many people. Like, it embarrassed the guy, like, the main sort of, like, uh, I would say, like, admin guy at, at the NHL Central Bureau, or whatever you want to call it, the Central Registry. Central Registry. Yes. Um, who is, like, apparently the most anal retentive person in the world, and yet... Well, I, I, I haven't heard him described as that. I've just, des- really? I've heard him described as exceptionally thorough. Yes. And so- Very thorough, but also... Very fair. He does not talk to the media. Yeah. He he keeps his, he stays in his lane. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I I honestly I felt for that guy. Oh, I, I when know. that trade when that was going on, I really felt for, he was the bad guy, probably the bad guy in that situation, having to inform the teams this isn't going to work. Yeah, and I felt bad because like a lot of people are like, how does the NHL not know this? Well, it's like it's not your it's not his fault. It's Vegas's fault for trying to slide this through. Well, and it it. Look, there's some bigger issues that, you know, maybe instead of the teams having, because I believe it is the teams have the um, no trade lists. Mm -hmm. It should be maybe like a central list instead of just the teams having it. I guess the NHL learned something on that deal. Good for them. Uh, Naturally, they've learned it like 20 years later than pretty much every other sports league, because I'm assuming that I would hope. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of how it works in baseball. We've never seen something like this happen before. No, but we have seen trades rejected in the NBA. Yeah, but by the commissioner because due to, like, competitive reasons. Mm, they were, you know. Which is, like, it can be security <laughs> on, all to itself. Um, people are st- people in, uh, in L.A. are still upset about the Chris Paul trade years ago. They, look, as they should be. It's not fair. Like, it was, it was a trade. They both agreed on it. And David Stern comes in and says, no. Can you imagine if Gary Bettman did that? Can you imagine if, like, they were going to trade, I don't know, like, who's the equivalent of Chris Paul? Like, like Patrick Kane? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody like, like that, maybe. Like that, who's, like, good, but maybe not, like, a suit, like, I oh, a superstar. But, like, you know, so, someone, like, a veteran who's great, he's going to, like, make this team better. Yeah. It, like, he's going to get traded to, like, the Leafs or the, or the Rangers or something like that. But I think that's the only, like, precedent we have of a commissioner stepping in, or the most recent yes. comparison that we have of a commissioner stepping in or, like, a, the league 
stepping in and saying this trade isn't going to work. Because when things like this happen, you always look for a precedent. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is apples to oranges, but when the Dadnov trade happened, I did see people citing the Chris Paul trade. Because that's, I think that's the, that's like the most recent example that we have of a league stepping in and saying, no, this trade isn't going to happen. But that wasn't even due to like contractual language. No, but like it's different. This was due to like Vegas, like clearly trying to sneak it through. Yeah. I don't know. It was a, it was a complicated issue that didn't work out in favor of everybody who it needed to work out for. And Dadnov, I believe, did not want to go to Anaheim because of the taxes in California, which... Um, which Montreal, I mean, it's not... I, that was my first thought today. I was like, I don't know the taxes in Canada. No, Montreal taxes are, I would say, more than California. Montreal taxes, like Quebec taxes specifically, are nuts. Well, as a California native, I was thinking... How dare you? Have you ever been to Newport Beach in January? It's lovely. Yes. It's amazing. I, like, even just from, like, take tax out of the equation. Having Montreal on your, on your, I'm okay to be traded there list, but not Cal, a Cal. But not Southern California? Like, what, what are you doing? What, what's the matter with you? Like, I, I, I'm biased, clearly. Yes. I grew up in Northern California. I lived for 10 years in Southern California, and... There are, you could do a a whole lot worse than Orange County. And most of the ducks live in two places. They either live in Newport Beach, like right by the beach, Mm -hmm. or they live in uh, this gated community called Cota de Casa. It's where like the Real Housewives franchise was started. Timu, Ryan Getzlaff, they live on the golf course. And there's a guy like Ilya Brzgalov still has a house in Orange County, or at least he did as of a few years ago. Maybe he sold it. But when he, he still had a house in Orange County a few years ago, like in a different golf course neighborhood. It's amazing. It's you get to play golf all year round and these and these hockey players love playing golf. Oh, oh, we know that. You know what? I just don't think Evgeny Dadnov has that dog in him as people like to say. Like the fact that he's just like, "No, nah, I don't want to live in a, in a great facility in a great community. I want to go to Montreal where everyone speaks a language. Everyone speaks not just a language, I'm like is my second language, but it speaks a language that's my third language." You know what, but though, there is something to be said for playing hockey in Montreal because that is like being, that's like the New York, that's like the New York Yankees, you know, like you, like I love going to games at Bell Center. It's the cathedral of hockey. Well, I love going to games at Bell Center. And um, if you ask any goalie in the league, they say it's like one of the biggest challenges they face when they're younger is playing at Bell Center. When the Devils were mapping out a development plan for Mackenzie Blackwood, one of those, one of the things in that plan was to play him in some of these historic arenas, Bell Center being one of them, wanting to see how he faced the crowd. Because it feels like the crowd is right on top of you, especially as a goaltender at Bell Center. It's built straight up. The stands go straight up. And the noise level is just like, it's all around you. Instead of sort of like spread out where some arenas go... The, you know, the, the stands go way back further. Yeah. Bell Center is up. It's and, all on top of you, basically. Yeah. And it's difficult for a lot of young goalies to handle. But a lot of people really thrive in that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could, look, if he, if Dadnov just wants to, like, play hockey, and that's it. And that's he, a great place to land. Yeah. Now, was the second part of uh, Blackwood's development plan um, getting him vaccinated? <laughs> Uh, look, I'm not on the beat anymore. No, I know. So. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I'm not on the beat anymore, and I am very pro-vaccination, pro-science. I'm, so I'm probably going to, probably going to make some people angry on this podcast. I apologize, but look, I'm not, I failed science in high school yeah, once, I and I had to retake it, and like, scientists are much smarter than me, so I'm just going to trust them. I, the last time I took science was grade 10, I believe. I'm just much better with words, yes. stories, yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, I did have to take, because I'm a political, I have a political science degree. So. Uh, yeah, I have political science minor. Oh. I was like two, two classes shy of a political theory major as well. But like, what do you do with a political theory degree? I would have had to like be a professor, so. I, uh, like they made me, because I was, my, my initial intention was to go to law school. Clearly that did not work out. But um, I, uh, <laughs> they made me take a second year 
physics class in my last year. It's a like, requirement. I had not taken science in general since grade 10. It's somehow I made it through that. So if I can make that, make it through anything. It's great. Um, I took the minimum math and science requirements in college. Oh, yeah. That's it. And I struggled with those quite, quite a bit. <laughs> Who does? Um, all right, game one. We just we were just there. What an atmosphere! Like that was great. That was incredible. That was great. I love that. Um, there was just such a buzz in the arena. And look, they say this at like, they say this for every Stanley Cup game. Last year was really cool being in Tampa because fans were finally back. Yes. And I hadn't been in a packed arena like that since pre-pandemic days. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool to be a part of that last year. But this was like, this was totally different. This is a, this is a city that hasn't seen a championship in quite some time. Um, the Nuggets are really good, but they're not championship good. Um, the Broncos. The Broncos 2013, I think, or 2014, maybe? Yeah. Oh gosh, what was it? What year it was, was it? Manning's last year. Yeah. Which I think was 2015, I believe. I thought it was before that. Maybe even before that. It's been at least a decade since any of them, any of their teams have won a championship. Well, if it was 2015, it wasn't a decade ago. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you said it was before that. So either way, with hockey, it's different. My memory is failing me. I remember very vividly, like, being at my friend's apartment in L.A. for that. And her boyfriend was, was it tw I think that might have been 2014, because her boyfriend was a Seahawks fan. They played the Seahawks. Yes. You know what, though? They all blend together. You know what? We, we've just been in the sun for, like, three straight hours. It's just, it's, it's sometimes they all, like, blur together. If it's a team that, like, I'm super familiar with, then... I might remember a little bit better. And like, if you ask me about. They didn't beat the Seahawks. They beat the Panthers. Okay, don't listen to me. The Seahawks beat them when they were the favorites. And then, and then Cam Newton choked in his MVP year. So that was 2015. I, I'm correct. Don't listen to me. I, I also have not worked in football for a long time. So, man. Bleach Report does great, great football coverage. They time. do, yes. Um, like Bleach Report Gridiron? Top notch, love it. Um, but yeah, game one, incredible atmosphere. It seemed like the Abs were a team that had eight days off and they used them properly. And it seemed like Tampa was a team that has not uh, adjusted to the altitude yet, and was just uh, then they did <laughs> until they did. But man, like, look, to be honest, I had not adjusted the altitude until today. The thing about Tampa that you have to understand though is that like that team can kick into a gear, oh my God. like they come at you in waves, be it like throughout the series or even in a game, the drastic momentum shifts that Tampa is capable of forcing mm. is really incredible. They just suddenly can like come out. They can look like a completely different team in the first period, t first 10 minutes of the second period. And then they click into another gear and they find their game. They dictate everything and they really are capable of tilting the ice within, I mean, one or two shifts, honestly. No kidding. I mean, like. And there, I think some of, that, some of that comes from experience. They understand how to, like, ride these momentum shifts because there's a lot of also, like, emotional momentum shifts mm -hmm. in playoff series. And especially when you get to the first game. I mean, we, talk, we heard um, Andre Barkovsky, who scored the overtime winner last night we heard him talking about how he was like a kid on christmas yesterday morning and he woke up at 6 a.m he was he's ready to go and he's already want to cut he said he was so nervous and jittery because he knows what's at stake mm -hmm. so it's knowing how to manage your emotions and knowing how to manage your energy and knowing when to be able to like step on the throat of your opponent tampa does that in a way that few other teams are capable of mm -hmm. they really know how to spin a game in one or two shifts and it's really remarkable when you watch it it's also remarkable the fact how far they've gotten without getting pretty much any secondary scoring like when you look at when you look at their i don't want to say none but like well i mean they why do you need to get secondary scoring when you have mikhail sergachev who can just like put one through traffic exactly. twice in in games. yeah 
it, like that that was that shot had eyes you know when people say like that that fuck had eyes it's going like no it, it really did and ask the new york rangers that's a sergachev special true and look like nikita kucherov made devin Cates, who was one of the best defensemen in the entire nhl look man what a pass that was to andre palat what a move to make that pass like very few people can do that I, yeah they're very, very few like a very few percentage of humans on earth who or, or potentially humans who have ever been on earth can do that and he managed to do it nikita kucherov is when you watch him on the ice you can seem like he it can seem like there's a few shifts where he's like kind of quiet and when he's not going to be quiet, like I just said, they they turn, mm -hmm. they can turn a game. Kucherov himself can turn a game. Yeah. After that, so it's funny. One move. Oh my, oh my God! And that that ignited the entire team. Mm -hmm. Now, after the, it was funny because, like, to your point, after like, because I covered the Leaf series uh, with them the first round, and I was about to write an article, like a, a, a column about like you know like five players need to step it up in the second round. And I was going to include Kucherov on it. And then my editor, Stephen, who is sleeping in that bed right there, um, he was like, you know he had eight points in seven games, right? And I'm like, are you, are you, are you serious? He had the, like, yeah. he, has the, he has the ability to just, like, I don't know, somehow go under the radar and be a point-per-game player on, like, an off day. He's incredible. Well, a scout once described him to me as a panther and that he can, like, sneak up on you yes. and cause mass chaos. <laughs> it's funny because he also slaughtered a bunch of panthers in the second round. He so. did sw slaughter a bunch of panthers in the second round, Very so. Peter's going to get on for that. Yeah, maybe we should, like, compare him to, like, a different jungle cat, like a cheetah or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But the, what really stuck out to me in this game is that I think, and this might be a hot take, Darcy Kemper is going to be the most important player. Yeah, because and it, I thought Darcy Kemper, yesterday, last night, his comments after the game, he said, Vasilevsky's the best goalie in the world, and I can't worry about outplaying him. I just have to do my job. And it's true, because if, if you... I, I just thought that showed a lot of, like, self-awareness. Yes. And so much has been made of the fact that Tampa has an all-world goalie and Colorado might have a deeper lineup, but they don't have Vasilevsky. And that might be true. And maybe that's the, because a goalie can steal a couple games in the series, but Kemper was, he's sort of quietly confident. Like I was pretty impressed in his post-game comments last night. And I thought he did pretty good for coming back from such a, a lengthy layoff. He, he was moving well laterally. And I look, both of those goalies gave up three a piece by the, after regulation, um, at that point it was sort of even. Kemper had less work, mm -hmm. but I, I thought that was a very astute comment by Kemper to say, "I can't worry about being as good as him. I have to just do my job on this end of the ice." Absolutely, and you know, like to your point about him being like very kind of like self-assured and self-aware. Like, I guess I was. I tried to get some stuff from him on media day, and he was like, "Look, like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get the call. Like, I, you know, I'm healthy. I'm ready." I can do this. I know I can do this. You know, like, whereas, just based, like, he, he, was, he was carrying an 8.97 save percentage into the final. You know, he he hadn't been playing very well. He had missed a bunch of games due to injury. He had played through injury a bunch. Uh, that's what, like, like Jerry Bednar had essentially, like, he revealed that last night during his post-game yeah. comments. And yet, like, here, here he is uh, just being like, you know, I can do this. I, like, I'm ready for the moment. And... I mean, you, you want to see that you know, like from, from your goaltender, especially someone who's going to be as important. He, he's like their X factor. Because we know that I think Colorado and Tampa can match up depth-wise. Their blue line's relatively similar, um, especially... Colorado's blue line, though, like, man, they play like forwards. They do. Kale McCarr. Oh, this is the first time I've seen Kale McCarr in person. It, it, it's like they should charge double. But at one point, they were getting McCarr and Taves on the ice last night. Mm -hmm. And just the way that they jumped over the boards and immediately joined the rush, I yeah. was like... Oh man, that is like they have five forwards on the ice. Like, how do you contain that sometimes? Like the ability that they, and they they still have the ability to, you know, retrieve the puck and the way that Kale McCarr can walk the blue line, mm -hmm. just his awareness. Um, Colorado has a very quiet confidence, and maybe it stems from. A, look, every locker room culture is set by the by the captain. Yes, and Gabriel Anderson is. Quiet, but like firm. Yes. Yes. Um, Bone Byram had an interesting comment last night that I I really liked. I, I missed this So somebody was asking about Burakovsky's um, playoff experience okay. or Stanley Cup experience. 
And he said, whenever you have somebody who's been there and done that, it's always good. But now we all have a game of experience. I really think it showed, I think it showed where Colorado's mindset is because so much has been made of Tampa's experience, which yes, they do know when to turn it on and manage their emotions throughout the game. Mm -hmm. As I just said a few minutes ago, and I'm not going to downplay that because look, I covered the Kings in 2014 when their playoff experience really came through against the Rangers in the Mm -hmm. cup final. And they had just come from a really tough series against the Blackhawks in seven games. That playoff experience that they had had in 2012, 13, and 14 was very important in the cup final. However, Colorado has this attitude about them that's like, sure, they won the last two cups, but like the, sw- the, the slate has been wiped clean. We're both here. We're on an even playing field. Colorado has a very quiet confidence about them. And they're not going to give in to the hype that like, Tampa's a generational team. They could be building a you know three championships or three cups cup championships in three years. First since the '80s. Like they're not buying into that hype. Mm-hmm. Their whole thing is, well, yeah, we got here too, and we deserve to be here just like they do. So we're gonna show you how good we are. It, like I, between Kemper's comments and Rantanen was very confident as well. It's easy to be confident after a game, but on media day, I saw it as well. Yes, and that, it's very easy to be a deer in headlights in media day. And Bo and Byram last night, that's a young player who's been through a lot of adversity. He He's been through a lot of adversity as well with the concussions. Mm-hmm. For him to say, we all now have, it's yeah, Burkowski, he won a cup, but now we've all got a game of experience in the Stanley Cup. So I really liked that comment from him I thought it showed a lot of maturity and it shows sort of the the attitude that Colorado has and the confidence that they have and I was pretty impressed by that actually and it plays into the same into Kemper saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and worry about outplaying the best goalie in the world I'm just gonna do my job they Colorado is not buying into this Tampa hype that's pretty important it's extremely important I think that's a great point um well, really, what interests me, too, is that John Cooper is a guy, he's a very big-picture guy. You know, he doesn't he, he doesn't get worried about, like, single games. I saw this in the Leafs series. It hit the exact same the exact same response to getting blown out in game. Or not blown out, but, like, losing relatively definitively in game one, which was like, yeah, we weren't the best team, but we kind of made it close. And look, like, series are long. We weren't the best team. We handed them a victory. He always kind of puts it towards the team. It's like yes, Pat Maroon said forward. the same thing, yeah. which shows you that they are they they fully team. buy into their coach's messaging. Mm-hmm. Pat Maroon said, "No, no, it's us. We're the ones who stood, who got back on our heels, mm-hmm. let them take a lead, and we had to catch up." That shows that that team is on the same page as their coach, and yeah. that's a coach who's going to keep that team very level-headed. Mm-hmm. Cooper. We all like Cooper getting up there and kind of joking about things. Um, I will say, though, that in the Eastern Conference Final against the Rangers after Game 2, he seemed on edge. Yes. I, I mean, I would hope so. He se- Cooper seemed a little bit on edge, very frustrated, which you should be mm-hmm. as a coach um, after a, a loss in a conference final like that. Two straight losses in a conference final. But he he wasn't the jokey laid-back coach that we kind of like know him to be mm-hmm. in New York. But then they won four straight, and we're here. There you go. Yeah, no, it's I, – I like how he's ingrained that in the team because it's very – like, they take a very sort of macro approach to everything. They buy in. Like, he gets them to buy – that's what you need. And it's easy to buy in because they've won two cups. But what you see a lot with coaching, you see it with torts. You see it with Daryl Sutter. The message only works until it doesn't, and these are the and some of these coaches can like great players like yeah they can really grind them down, and then the message gets tuned out. Um, I don't know that it's like that with John Cooper. He seems to be a pretty respected players coach. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Daryl Sutter and John Tortorella are not respected; each of them are for their own. Look, I dealt with Daryl Sutter in L.A. I have seen firsthand what he can do and what happens when things get bad. Mm-hmm. Things got bad in 2019, though, for the Lightning. Yes, absolutely. Very bad. And it was shocking to me that during their, uh, I'm not sure if even this is if this is the truth, but it was shocking to me that Julian Breesbaugh during their media day, their, their joint media day conference was like, never, never for a second did it cross my mind. No. And I don't think that would have been a good idea either it because. Was, but you, it didn't, did it cross his mind at all after that? No, because here's the thing. I th- I think 
having now dealt with Tampa a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. Stanley Cup final last year, Eastern Conference final this year, the prevailing notion was sort of like Breezeball, Cooper, everyone else around them, uh, Matthew Darsh, their attitude about it was this adversity is going to make us better. Okay. And it did. It, oh, I mean, clearly. Like, it, it birthed the dynasty. It, as John Tortorella said, it created a monster. It created a monster. And it really did. Yeah. The closest thing to a dynasty I think we're ever going to see. That's what I understand in my limited interactions in playoffs with these t- with the team is that the sort of attitude was that the adversity is going to make this team better, so why do we blow it up now? And maybe if they had been swept in 2020, which then it probably – I don't think they would have blown it up in 2020 because that's the bubble. You'd sort of give, you, you saw a lot of teams in 2020 give leeway mm-hmm. to their coaches, their executives, because that was such an unprecedented challenge. And uh, look, the Flyers are still sort of charting the same course that they were, even with a really bad season this year, mm-hmm. because they needed some leeway after 2020. And then 2021 was such a strange year, too. Like, yeah. it wore on everybody's mental health. Every, oh so maybe, okay, so maybe had they lost in 2020, after the 2019 sweep to the Columbus Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. maybe had Tampa lost in, like, the bubble, like, qualifying round, there would have been some shakeups but you really give it until after last year mm-hmm. and look what happened. They won it, it. You didn't need that. So the people who thought it was best for them to chart, like stay the course and believe in that group because adversity would help them in the future. were absolutely correct. Absolutely. So what do you think happens in game two? I don't know, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh my God. No kidding. Right? Like, like the action was just, it was like such great hockey. It was what? high event hockey. It was physical, but not too physical. Um, Nothing it, stupid happened. No. You know, but it was, what a pace. Like, the pace was, was fantastic. Oh Colorado really bothered Tampa a little bit with their speed in the beginning. You could tell. And the Lightning have the speed to counter, but they're not going to make it a track meet. No, they aren't. And it, like it, it really noticed when uh, it was the first of, it was the first penalty that was taken on, uh, to then spark the five on three, uh, where McKinnon drew it, where he was just like just steamrolling up the ice. Yeah. Like, and then Sergey uh, was like, I, I don't know what to do. I, I like I don't. So I'm just going to trip him, and he did. And like that is, I think that's kind of like the the trump card or the X factor that that Colorado has aside from the goaltending, where it's just like. We are going to like, like we're going to take you to it. The, like watching them, watching their zone entries. Oh my god! Kill car. I think, like, yes, he's he's got he's incredible offensively. He's amazing at walking the blue line, jumping into the rush, moving the puck. But the precision of oh. which he enters the zone. What really stuck out stuck out to me though is how he gets out of trouble. Yeah. And there was there was one play in particular. He's in his own zone. He's getting hounded at, at probably by like Nick Paul. I can't remember exactly the player. And he managed to hit the player while he still had the puck. Yes. And it was like from like the back too. It was like he like spun off the wall yeah. and like hip checked him. It, it was it was something that only Kale McCarr can probably pull off. And we were all kind of watching that like, what did he just do? I, was, I remember being like, this looks like CGI to me. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm watching like a Marvel movie. It's no, a video it's like, game. He's a cheat code. It's remarkable. Um, yeah, it, it's really like, I think like, I I, I know I have to like host a, a show on BetMGM and whatnot, but like, I, I wouldn't bet on, on game two. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. I know that much. So. What I want to see in game two mm-hmm. is how Tampa's power play responds because that penalty kill was the star of the game. I, last night my, I, I had to like audible my entire story because I wanted to write about how good the penalty kill was. And then they only brought out like one penalty killer and I could barely get a question into a rant then. Um, not the fault of anybody. It just, I was late. I was, I was late in the scrum. I was, me too. The elevator was pretty slowly last night. Uh, well, I just was late in the scrum. That's my own fault. I, look, we're all little. We're all a little rusty after a couple of years of like non-scrum. Yeah. I'm usually I'm very small. I'm five foot nothing. I am usually very good at like your, weaseling my yeah. way, like find like getting low and then popping up in the front. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that last night. I'm I'm my skills are off. I I will you know improve that. I'll get better for game two. I'll be in the front of some scrums and yeah. when they when they won't even expect it. Um, but 
I thought the penalty kill was really the difference maker last mm-hmm. night. If you, because if you look at like the adva- the underlying numbers, if you look at natural stat trick, Tampa had no scoring chances. Oh, they were they were none. Yeah, I think that no, I think they had one scoring chance, no high danger scoring chances on the power play. That's nuts. That's crazy. For the Tampa power, for the Lightning power play to be that ineffective is, it really shows how effective, like how effective, how how great the penalty killers were last night. And they're not calling as many penalties, which is what always happens in the playoffs. They start off, they call a lot of penalties as the as the series as each series progresses. As we get deeper in the postseason, the whistles are swallowed for better or worse. Sometimes there's missed calls, but at this at this stage in the game. You don't want to be calling ticky-tacky stuff. So there weren't a lot of penalties. There weren't a lot of whistles to begin with. But the Tampa power play has been one of the best for, what, since 2015? Yeah. So for them to be just totally almost useless last night, and we saw that um, the penalty kill really gave Colorado a lot of momentum. I think it was their first or their second goal was scored right after they killed off a penalty. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how the lightning penalty or how the lightning power play responds tomorrow. Absolutely. And we have Nazem Kadri this skating today. Nazem Kadri and Andrew Cogliano of another great penalty killer. I covered him in Anaheim. Also a great quote. Cogs, very insightful quote. Explains things, like breaks things down. I'm gonna keep that in mind. For um, he's a great quote. I very much enjoyed working with him in Anaheim, and there were certain times where, like, uh, early on in my hockey writing career, because I was cutting hockey highlights mm. before I started as a reporter, and I was reporting on baseball, basketball, football, but hockey, I was just doing, I was cutting film basically. Like, mm-hmm. I can, I can spot a good highlight. But um, reporting was a different thing, and I really leaned on Cogliano and Ben Lovejoy to, and they didn't, like, they they would talk to me as if I was a veteran reporter, but still explain things to me without, I don't know, like, chastising me or, like, making me, yeah, Yeah, yeah. they were happy to do so. And Cogs is very insightful, and he's really great at, like, breaking down things like a penalty kill, and he, I, bums me out that the Iron Man streak is over. Like, I was kind of surprised. Like, I was like, oh, man, Cogs got hurt. Like, it's really not 2015 anymore. <laughs> well, it was, like, the Iron Man streak was... was it was, he got... Suspension. Yeah, when he got suspended. But still, he's always just been such a reliable player. And he is. But um, to not be injured like that throughout much of your career, and then he gets hurt in the playoffs. Granted, the Iron Man streak was over, yes. But getting hurt in the playoffs, I still kind of was like... Very unexpected, out of care, very uncharacteristic yeah. for Andrew Cogliano. What are you doing? Um, right before you know, we don't want to take too much of your time. So I guess before we before we head out here, I just want to hear your biggest prediction for the rest of the series. I mean, like this is it can go either way. This is really truly unpredictable. It's it's Goliath versus Goliath. I don't know. I don't know. And, and keep in mind, like I, I and everyone else will judge you based on <laughs> of your prediction. Thanks. Completely. I don't know my biggest prediction. Um. I don't know. I, this is not even a hot take. I think it goes seven. I would love. I think we go seven. Even even though the travel is not going to be nice for if it goes seven, I would love it to go seven. I think it goes seven. I think these are two teams that stack up well against each other, and I don't think either. Like I think based on last night, what we saw is that neither team is going to be able to completely control the series. Like in the Eastern Conference Final, we saw. New York control two games and then Tampa completely like take back control with one very late goal game three. And from that point on, they controlled the entire series. I don't know that either of these teams is going to be able to control what they want to control. So that's going to be the challenge. These are two teams that are used to, that are used to sort of just like running the table and having their way with teams the way that they want to. I mean, granted, look, the Rangers were a challenge for the Leafs, or uh, not the Leafs, the Lightning and the Leafs were a challenge for the Lightning. Mm-hmm. But Tampa's still used to sort of like, when they play their own style, kind of getting their way. Absolutely. So it'll it'll be it'll be really, really interesting. Give, give me one final, like, who do you think takes it? Let's go. After one game. <laughs> Tampa. Really? I think Tampa, I think, I think the Lightning... I do. I I think Vasilevsky is gonna be the key here. Um, Braden points back. If look, if though, if the Avs get Kadri back, that could really change the series, and that could also maybe change my prediction. But right now, Kadri's not back. I don't know. I don't. 
don't like making predictions. I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a psychic. Like, I, I mean, look, I know that, like, as a media, uh, being in the media, like, I've had to do predictions for every round. Bleacher Report, we've had our staff predictions, and I was wrong. I thought the Rangers would be out. I thought the Penguins would beat the Rangers. Um, we get things wrong all the time. Yeah, when it comes to predictions, like yeah. we get predictions wrong. I hate making predictions. That's why I'm making you do it. <laughs> Tampa takes it. Tampa, okay, there we go. Lock it in. You know, like, like I think Tampa it takes it in seven here in Colorado. Wow. Tampa gets it, which is very unfortunate for the Colorado fans to have to like watch that in a seventh game. But I think it's going seven because I don't think either team is going to be able to control and dictate the way that either team is, like, used to doing. It's going to be a uphill battle, and it's going to be fantastic to watch. Well, I, I personally cannot wait. Thank you so much for joining me. Plug yourself. You made it through, you made it all the way. It's this camera, this camera, this camera. Hit, hit, me with, uh, hit, hit me with what you're working on, and then, uh, then I'll let you stroll out into the lovely Denver air. Bleacher Report. I am. I'm here with two outlets, actually. Wow. I am here with Bleacher Report, Turner Sports. We have, you know, you. TNT has we. I look. I'm going to be a little bit biased here. I thought the uh, NHL on TNT this year was great. Like yes. it brought an a, a different element to NHL broadcasts that we haven't seen before, and it's sort of a work in progress. And on the editorial side at Bleacher Report it's the same thing we keep saying we're flying the plane as we build it mm -hmm. um but we've made some good progress and elite prospects launched an editorial site a while back you all should know it because elite prospects is a great resource ep rinkside we have some awesome contributors ryan lambert's hilarious um dimitri filipovic does his thing with the stats. Jay Fresh, you all know him on Twitter. We have some awesome contributors on EP Rinkside. And then also, the draft is coming up, so everybody should be looking at EP Rinkside anyway. Absolutely. Premium subscription gets you a ton of benefits. So I'm here working with both of them, and we are flying both planes as we are building them. Amazing. <laughs> well, great job. Hey, thanks. Love it. Can't wait to see you game two or skate tomorrow and everything. It's great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.